Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry. And of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, us two Chris's. I felt like I said that like I'm a, like a, a language. <laughs> it's like Te llamo Cristobal. I'm sure I just butchered Spanish there, but je m'appelle Chris. Okay. Anyway, this is us. And as you can probably tell, we're pretty excited to be talking to you about this week's film that we watched, which is called The Frighteners. There has been a destructive force unleashed on this town such as I have never seen. Oh, my God, I don't believe this is not happening. We have got a poltergeist. Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but uh, it's not going to be cheap. Although I do offer a six-month guarantee. That fellow takes us totally for granted. Hey, Stuart, in or out, huh? Frank Bannister had a remarkable ability. Psychic investigator? To communicate with the dead. You, you could see spirits? Emanations are normally confined at the cemetery. You cannot push spirits around! Although they do escape. And an uncanny knack. We're gonna scare the living daylights out of your parents. For making a profit off the living. We're supposed to be his business partners. Everyone says that you're a fraud, but I've seen what you can do. Give it up, Frank. Death ain't no way to make a living. But now... Some things put the fear of death in the living. What is happening to me? And send the dead yes! running for their lives. I've seen a figure in a cape. That was the soul collector. When your number's up, that's it. Frank, we got problems. All these murders that have been going on in Fairwater, they're gonna pin them on you. Pictures and Robert Zemeckis. Your next pal. And acclaimed director Peter Jackson. We don't stop till the screaming starts. You dead? The Frighteners. Do you have a synopsis for us, Chris? I do. And the The Frighteners is a 1996 film. It was directed by Peter Jackson. And the synopsis, as such, is. After a tragic accident kills his wife, a man discovers he can communicate with the dead to con people. However, when a demonic spirit appears, he may be the only one who can stop it from killing the living and the dead. And this stars, it, it has a pretty all-star cast. Uh, Michael J. Fox, uh, Trini Alvarito, which I didn't really know her from much but uh peter dobson john aston jeffrey combs d wallace jake Busey. uh you've even got arlie ermy in there so i don't remember if you said if you had previously watched this i see i i thought that i had but re-watching it i didn't remember an awful lot of it so okay I was either I either watched part of it a while a long time ago or maybe i just saw it when it came out and i i just don't remember it that well Mm -hmm. give us your thoughts yeah yeah i uh so so it's very much i would say that it would 
it would call itself a horror comedy or a comedy horror. Mm -hmm. And uh, I liked it. I liked it more as it went. I felt like it, it was trying real hard on the comedy in the first half and in almost a kind of a ghostbustery way, I'm like with this script, with this comedy, I was sort of struggling with uh, Michael J. Fox. And I'm like, I keep seeing like Bill Murray or something playing hmm. this character and the, he's a, he's a kind of a con man and he's sloppy, <laughs> you know, and I don't, I don't really think of Michael J. Fox in that way. And I thought, you know, Bill Murray would have been the right kind of sort of shambling, ne'er-do-well, wise-ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but then the movie kind of, the, the movie shifts about midway when the, when the antagonist starts to take center stage and the threat that the antagonist presents. And I think it shifts, it doesn't abandon comedy altogether, but by the end in act three, um, it's squarely horror. And I thought it was extremely effective as a horror film. I thought, you know, there's a sort of a haunted house, haunted mansion that I thought was great. All the scenes in there were great and building up to the climax of the film. There's a twist. Um, and I was going to say, you know, we spoil typically these, but I, I was thinking maybe... I think this is a bit of an underseen film. I don't even at the time I I looked up the numbers that it made like forty five million dollars worldwide. So it wasn't really a hit, I would say. And so I thought maybe we won't reveal the twist. Okay. In case people want to see this. That's fair. We're gonna talk about it. Yeah. We'll get into it a lot, but maybe not give away exactly the twist. I really thought that was I thought that the climax in act three. Uh, was the best thing about this movie. Mm -hmm. I thought it was all building up to that. The comedy didn't really, I didn't find it all that funny. I thought it was very broad. And the gags were kind of boy-yoing. You know, the CGI was early to mid-90s CGI. So it's like Casper the Friendly Ghost type stuff. It's Scooby-Doo type stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, one ghost has got like a cold and they leak ectoplasm. So he sort of swells up and then like snot comes shooting out of his ears. And you're just kind of like, what is it? What is it? (laughs) (laughs) But but I do think it finds its sea legs and settles into, you know, you really feel Peter Jackson come into focus with what he's doing. The the horror stuff when it gets scary. Um, it's really great. And it, I thought um, the characters all kind of settled in too. I don't know that lead actress. Um, I, I looked her up and she, she, she has like 30 some credits. Uh, but she hasn't done a lot really in recent years. She's actually in a, a, uh, a, a new series that comes out next month. Um uh, that I don't recall what the title was, but that looks like, you know, it has some big actors in it. So, but, but I thought she was not to, you know, uh, steal your, uh, 
thoughts here, but um, I thought she was really great. And I was watching that and, and I went through her credits and I thought, wow, why did she not go on to be a bigger star? I, I just thought she was excellent. I thought all uh, of the performances are really good in this. Yeah, I thought at first I was like, is that Andy McDowell? It looks a lot like her. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like her better on screen than Andy McDowell. And, you know, I'm not yeah. going to be a nasty hater, but I just, I yeah, I thought she was really watchable in this. And I was like, you know, I don't know if 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 she didn't get work because she looks like, you know, the poor man's Andy McDowell, I'd be like, I'll take this over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Um. You know, and I, I really like um, I write I really like Michael J. Fox on screen. Camera loves him. He's just a likable presence on screen. Um, and when they move away from some of the corny shtick, not that I mean he's a good comic actor. It, it's just the it, it's just the it's just the the jokes themselves that I didn't think um were particularly funny like they're mm-hmm. almost like when you watch a children's movie and it's not a particularly good children's movie and it's kind of treating the kids like the kids are dummies mm-hmm. you know and all the jokes are kind of like oh look out and you're just kind of like i mean unless the kids are three or four you know kids aren't gonna think this is funny and that was that's what the comedy kind of felt like in the beginning of this. I I uh, kind of couldn't get my head around that. I mean, is that just me or did you? No, no, I would agree. And so I to give a little bit of my background on this, I watched this when it originally came out on video and I remember really disliking it. I don't really remember exactly why, you know, it could have just been the mood that I was in or whatever. I liked it much more watching it this time. And I, I suspect probably those, the, the broad comedic stuff was what I didn't like. Maybe, maybe I, you know, I don't really remember the, uh, I didn't watch the trailers or anything leading up to us watching this. So I don't know if the trailers made it seem a little more of a straight horror film, you know, um, but Peter Jackson in general is a is a kind of a hit or miss director for me. So his uh, for people that, you know, kind of just know him from Lord of the Rings. He started out, did a series of low budget, really gross out uh, kind of horror comedy things. Meet the Feebles and, and some other ones, which I've not actually seen, but, but probably the first movie of his that I did see was Dead Alive. Have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. It's really, really disgusting. But it's in this very over-the-top kind of way that that this film is, but just super, super gross out, but just not in a realistic way, just very like cartoony violence. And, and I was not into that at all. Um, the Lord of the, the Rings movies are fine. You know, I, I watched them in the theater and and never really watched them again. I really like King Kong a lot, um, even though it's it's way too long. Probably my favorite Peter Jackson movie is Heavenly Creatures. I don't know if you've ever seen yes. that before. That, yeah, that's, and that's very different because it's a, a very serious movie. But this film feels a bit like kind of a, uh, 
sort of a crossroads, kind of a mix of the early, there's a little bit of that gross out stuff. And, and like you said, that kind of dumb humor and then more of the, you know, the big budget type of film that he got into later. And I mean, you can see here the camera movements and the, uh, you know, you talked about the the kind of haunted mansion. And then at the at the end, um, the set piece there is this abandoned hospital. Uh, and it all just looks really great. Yeah. Um, very theatrical. Very theatrical. Which he not has a, not a criticism, but I mean, it's a joke. But it, it sets the stage for the action that unfolds there um, perfectly, I think. Perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I think that the directing in that last, in the climax, in the in the abandoned um, hospital, uh, is masterful. It's masterful. Everything you know, the performances, the style, it all comes together. It all comes into focus in a way. I mean, again, we're not, we're not going to spoil it, but I I just think then in in all in all the ways that I thought it felt clunky at the beginning exactly the 180 degrees i felt masterful at the end um yeah now i'll i'll skip ahead and spoil my own review as i i'll i would recommend that people watch that on the merits of that alone you know um, like i think for act three sit through act one and two however you feel about it <laughs> for act three i think the what uh, and I, like I say, what I suspect that I probably, you know, it's been 25 years now or whatever, but what I suspect that I, that just kind of didn't hit me at the time as well is he has these two. So he can, um, it, it was brought up a little bit in the synopsis, but he's this guy who he's, his wife was killed. They were in a car accident. And after the accident, he developed the ability to see, spirits you know to see dead people and so he has this is now his career he he kind of cons people where he goes into their home he has his ghost buddies go in and move stuff around and he tells the people you have to uh, I'm, you know i can get rid of the ghost for you and you know and then he does that and the uh right the, the ghost, two it's a ghostbuster scam the ghosts are in on it Exactly. The ghosts are in on it. And, and that's the real slapstick stuff in, in the film that, that you were talking about that. So his two ghost friends, you know, are going around and their eyes are bugging out and all this kind of stuff. And you could completely cut all that out, you know, <laughs> and, and the movie would be, and I, you know, I really enjoyed it this time around. Um, and all that said, that didn't really bother me now, but it, you know, it does feel, and you have a film that, um, so a little more of the story is uh, you have Dee Wallace playing a very different role than she, you know, typically she was the mom in E.T. Um, and a lot of times has played a mother figure or a very kind person. She's the mom in Cujo also. Uh, she's, she's different in this role and, uh, she, her, when she was 15 years old, she had fallen in love with this guy played by Gary Busey, who, uh, uh, committed a mass murder, mass shooting in, 
uh, a hospital. Crazy with a K. And insane. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Gary B or not Gary Busey, but uh, uh, it's, but it's very Busey. The yeah. Yeah. Jake Busey. Um, perfect guy for this role with the huge teeth and everything. You know, he's, he does crazy really well, but you know, you have this weird tonal thing where it's like, Oh, these goofy ghosts, you know, bumping into things and stuff. And then there's a mass shooting. And I guess, you know, in hindsight, um, I looked it up. This was three years before Columbine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think mass shootings were as much in the public consciousness as they are now. Right. And I was thinking, would a, would they make a film now that the kind of backdrop of the story is a, is a mass shooting and play it kind of for laughs, you know, I mean, the, the mass shooting itself is not funny in the film, but it's, you know, th this comedic movie. So you very much have that weird, you know, mixture of tones with the slapstick ghost stuff and Gary Busey going around and shooting people and carving numbers <laughs> in their foreheads, you know? So I, yeah, I, I really wondered about that because, um, um, <sighs> What's his name? Um, Zemeckis is involved in this too. He's an executive producer, yeah. So, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I would love to hear the insider story of how Zemeckis was involved. You know, because like we have been watching some Zemeckis movies and mm -hmm. Zemeckis does weave comedy into uh, a lot of the movies we've been watching. And I'm just kind of like, I would love to love to hear some of that, like how this unfolded and was Zemeckis collaborating on some of that comedy stuff or was he not involved at all? I don't know. I just did such an interesting pair, Zemeckis and uh, uh, Peter Jackson, Jackson, you know. Yeah, um, I think you could have you could have played this movie either totally straight, just been, this is a horror movie or made it kind of a horror adventure with a joke or two here and there. Well, there's and lots, it, it would have been stronger, you know, there's lots of scary movies that you use comedy as a uh, seasoning in it. Mm -hmm. you know, the, um, or you look at the stuff that Sam Raimi did, you know, the evil dad, you could call that horror comedy too. And the comedy doesn't now. I mean, I think he's well known because he does, I think it's hard to do effectively. Um, but you know, that doesn't, they don't, those don't re derail each other. Or we Bubba Hotep is a absurdly juvenile and silly, mm -hmm. but I think also works as a scary, uh, weird, thing um or you know or or you know, horror's got a great history of camp um yeah well even something like uh poltergeist is a uh you know is a serious horror film um but there are jokes in it you know there are jokes kind of more in the beginning and it gets sort of more serious as it goes along but yeah i was thinking it's interesting that you bring up uh sam raimi because i was i was thinking about him a good bit while watching this film the two directors 
careers kind of parallel each other because the same thing with Sam Raimi, he started out with low budget, gross out horror stuff, the evil dead, and then went on to Spider-Man. And, you know, now he's doing the new, um, uh, Dr. Strange film. So they, so they had pretty similar careers and there's even some of the shots in this film that feel very much like Raimi shots where they're weaving through the, yeah. the cemetery and everything, you know? Yes. And I, I mean, I would love to hear if, if there was any of that, that was homage or, I mean, I, you know, I think there were podcasts where people talk about movies and they know these insider stories. They have all the, they spot, yeah, they have all, they the, have all the background and everything. You and I are just people who like movies and watch them and are like, I wish I knew some of those stories. <laughs> I, I wonder if this is, you know, uh, you're bringing up a lot of questions because I never thought about a different actor for this role. Um, and I definitely see what you're saying about that. You know, he's a little bit more of a smart ass kind of a character than what we typically think of Michael J. Fox necessarily being. But let me just interrupt you with one. Quick sure, thing. sure. This is not spoiling anything in the movie. The, one of the first the, I think the first time we meet Michael J. Fox's character is at a funeral and he kind of he pulls up in to say it's a broken down car doesn't come anywhere near. I mean, this is a cartoon car. It's mm-hmm. the, this car would not run it's falling apart and he is in sort of um you know uh like a r- reporter wears like um it's not a dust like a big trench coat kind of a thing <laughs> he's like in a trench coat and he kind of comes stumbling and staggering down the hill and you're like is he drunk and he's got just a fistfuls of his business cards and he's like hitting on people at the funeral being like hey you know if you uh you need any, uh, uh, you ever see any spooks or anything? Call me, you know, and they sort of chase him away. Cause this is apparently something he does. And that, so when I think Bill Murray, I think, you know, with the flyaway hair and then yeah, uh, yeah. maybe not wearing pants under the trench coat, just wearing a pair of boxers or shorts and, you know, sandals and dark socks and just can't, his whole life is just kind of pinned together with a clothespin. We've seen him play that kind of like, life on the skids but wise cracking all right leave me alone I'll, whatever i'm going i'm going and i just don't i never have seen michael j fox do anything like that mm-hmm. you know and once we're invested in the characters and he cares about the ingenue the female lead they care about each other and there are stakes he's acting right and he, when he's upset you see it in his eyes and it's and michael j fox is a good actor mm-hmm. So the the gears sort of shift and we start caring about, you know, this guy and the 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 the, the fact that he can see spirits and is sort of uncovering what happened, this sort of tragedy that happened with his wife. You know, we're invested in it and it's not a joke. It's just the jokes are kind of what they use to set up the rules of this the universe of this film mm. i mean another example of the comedy and i will let you get back to your thought the, oh, sure sure comedy is they've got the i and i forget the guy's name but the 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 drill sergeant from full metal early army yeah yes right doing that playing arlie army yeah doing that yeah but because which is great i mean you know sure i 
I would watch that. He's great at that. Mm-hmm. But they have fun because he's a ghost. He can like suddenly he's in, you know, full, you know, battle machine guns, double machine guns. And, yeah. You know, and and so he kind of he's going and changing, manifesting and and you're sort of so it's a cartoon and mm-hmm. it's like um, Looney Tunes stuff. And I just. I don't know. None of it made any sense to me. I thought, did they start off making that movie and think this isn't working? We need that. Anyway, you, you were you said you had never seen another actor in the role, and I interrupted you for a long time. Oh, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I wonder. You know, the the history of, uh, you know, of film is just full of. There are so many movies where. It's it's like they offered it to this person and then this person turned it down. And it, like uh, Die Hard, I think there were like eight or ten actors before they got. I think like the first choice was Sylvester Stallone, you know, and it was like eight or ten people before they got to uh, Bruce Willis. Um, Blade Runner, Dustin Hoffman was the first choice for, you know, and it's just like. Uh, so I wonder if, you know, you would suspect that. Zemeckis being the producer on this was probably the reason that Michael J. Fox was cast. So I wonder if he was the first choice all along, or if at some point there was more of a Bill Murray kind of a guy, you know, who knows? Um, and maybe there's somebody, somebody out there is a super fan and knows the history of all of this, you know, but uh, I just, I just wonder if he was the, the person who was intended to be in this all along, or if there was some other, some other choice earlier you know you shoot a movie out of sequence a lot of times uh, i i just felt like this this whole project at least of what we see in the screen took a while to kind of get its sea legs but it does it does mm-hmm. its sea legs um and and i just wondered if they if they started shooting more or less in sequence and uh, because they're in town, it's all kind of stuff in, in town before things go crazy. And if everybody is still just kind of trying to figure out what this movie is, mm-hmm. you know? um, I don't know. I don't know. One thing that was very, uh, that was funny to me, that was a very movie logic kind of a thing and it's fine you know it works in the context of the film but so the uh i gotta look up what her her character name was um so the the uh so trini alvarito her her character's name was dr lucy linsky and her husband dies and uh so uh, she is uh, a home. Her home is one where they where we see Michael J. Fox running the scam, and her husband dies, and then he is Michael J. Fox is able to communicate with him after he's dead, and then he goes and meets with her and is you know telling what the husband is saying and everything. But it's one of these funny movie things where it's it's like Michael J. Fox and her they know each other for a few hours and they're immediately in love. And like her, her husband has been dead for a day, you know, and he was a douchebag, you know, so whatever. Such a douchebag. <laughs> and it's kind of like this, how is this woman? And she's like, you know, there were problems with the marriage. I'm like, 
yeah, like, why did you get married? Because this yeah. guy is such a douchebag that he's so two-dimensional that you can't imagine him ever having been any different. How like, would she have been attracted to him? Yeah, you know. She's sitting in bed watching the news or something, and he's got like a, a fold-out rowing machine at the foot of the bed, and he's like rowing in front of the mm-hmm. TV, and you're going, who does this? Who is the, you know? Yeah. doesn't make any sense. And I don't have anything against the actor that played that, but it did seem like he was in a different movie. It made more sense when he was a ghost. Him being, you know, because the ghosts, certainly in the first whole half of this, the ghosts are zanies. Mm -hmm. You know, one of them is a sort of a, a 70s guy with a big afro and an attitude. And the other one's a sort of, a I don't know how you would describe him, kind of a nudge that just the sort of constantly sweating ectoplasm. He's an English guy, but he's wearing like a, like a fifties letterman jacket, you know, which was kind of weird, but yeah. It was, I don't know what they were doing. I didn't know if there were scenes that they cut that explain more like what that character is, but they're like freaking frack. They're, they're buddies. They're, they're like, I thought of from Pulp Fiction, like they're the two, you know, they're Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, they're not killers. But they're they're like a they're partners, they're buddies, and they're buddies with uh, Michael J. Fox, and they're the. I guess this would have been like a year after Pulp Fiction, a year or two after. So I don't know. I maybe <laughs> because it's so on. The, you know, it's with the sideburns, and it's the same thing, and it's the set. Yeah, and you're just like, what? Why that choice? Like, anyway. I don't know. There was a lot of head scratching stuff in it. Um, and, you know, you never know that. Have, have you watched uh, the show? Um, what's it called? The movies that made us. Have you watched any of those? Are you familiar with it? I'm familiar with it, but I, I, I don't watch it. So uh, speaking of Zemeckis, there is a, uh, a Forrest Gump episode and they talk about in it how much he had to fight with the studio on it. And it was like, you know, the studio was like, we're not going to let you do this. We're not going to let you do this. And he was coming off of the back to the future movies, you know? So it's like, you know, he has this huge trilogy of films and they still won't listen to him. And uh, for example, um, those things were a huge. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, But they uh, said that uh, they wanted to, you know, use all the old music and the studio was just like, oh, that's going to be too expensive. We don't want to do that. So Zemeckis and Tom Hanks were, they went together on buying the, the music. Wow. And there were other parts of the film. I, I, I don't recall now, but there were some scenes that they wanted to do. And the studio was like, yeah, we don't want to do, want to do that. So they just shot it themselves without the studio kind of knowing and they just spent their own money, you know, on that. So who knows with this, you know, maybe there was some studio involvement and we're like, Hey, we, we gotta, you know, kids like kids like zany stuff, you know, who knows just, you know, kind of spitballing, but you know, even a huge director, like I say, at, at, you know, like this, at, at this time, this would have been after Forrest Gump. Now he was the executive producer on this, but, Maybe the studio still wasn't listening to him. 
You know, man, you don't know. Uh, I don't know, but by the time I did really enjoy it once it got once it got rolling. Yeah, I did, too. And that's I uh, I'm glad I'm really glad we watched this because it was one that I have. You know, it's not like it was constantly on my mind or anything, but I always wanted to revisit this thinking, was I just in the wrong mood when I watched this? you know, the first time, cause I really disliked it back then. Um, I, I have a, I definitely have nostalgia for this time period, not necessarily like what was going on, but just, we were really young, then, you know, so I might have um, watched the first part of it originally and turned it off. You know, mm-hmm. I've been like, nah, this is not for me. Yeah. And gotten to the part that it turns out I actually liked. Um, But, you know, scary movies, horror movies, there's so many different flavors of them. Um, And, you know, one of the one of the one of the types of horror movie that really um, like a ghost story really gets me if it's well done like that. Mm -hmm. Creepy, shivery up your spine like more than a slasher or a chainsaw killer, you know, um, you know, there's something you walk in, in an empty room and you have that sense that something or somebody is watching you and a movie that effectively conveys that I think is very effective. And it's one of the, uh, in terms of, it's very enjoyable for me. It's one of the few types of horror that I say, I like genuinely take pleasure in. Like, like, oh, that scene is great, man. That was so, so good and so scary in an enjoyable way. Instead of like, now we're going to cut this person up with, just like, oh my God. Yeah. I, you put a, a spooky graveyard or, you know, a haunted house or an old abandoned hospital in, you know, you just have that atmosphere. That, that's what I love about horror. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm more of a horror fan than you, but the Saw movies and all that kind of stuff never, that never really did it for me. Scary. The scary is not what bothers me. It's the suffering, I think. And so mm-hmm. the Saw movies and things that focus on the the suffering of the victims, I, I just don't have any appetite for. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't do a, doesn't do a lot for me either. But so um, anything else on this one? just run down the list in my mind i mean you know the cgi was 90 what six did you say 96 yeah yeah there's some there's some not great cgi but but overall i i thought the effects for the most part were good yeah 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 i i mean there were choices like i say big boiling choices that i didn't like the cgi wasn't terrible it looks poor by today's standards um you know there's a scene where there's a spirit kind of under the wallpaper and so you see the sort of silhouette of the thing as though there's a physical shape crawling under the wallpaper like a cat under a carpet and that's a neat effect that was a little spoiled by the fact that the it looked computer generated to me and that yeah a little bit so that's just the the technical um abilities of the time 
not, you know, not living up to my, you, you see some films in, in, I watched a little bit of uh 2001, mm-hmm. which it was on one of the streaming things, or maybe still is. Um, man, that still looks incredible. I mean, to be fair, that was <laughs> one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever made. Yeah. But it, I, I, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I got to see that in the theater a few years ago and was amazing in a giant screen. I mean, just gigantic screen. It is how well it still stands up. And the the thing that blows my mind about that is that was before the moon landing. Mm -hmm. Right. So you look at there's they see a shot of Earth from space. We didn't. Nobody had seen Earth from space. That was their imagining of what it would look like. It's bluer than it turns out Earth actually looks in the movie, but it's plausible. And you just think this is incredible. I mean, there's so much of science fiction today is kind of based on the look of this film. That that was almost pure imagination. Then Kubrick got to reuse all those sets when he faked the moon landing. Right. (laughs) Right. And it still looks great today. (laughs) It still looks great today. Yeah. Yeah, So, Uh, but this is not one of those movies that the look of it stands up and you think, wow, that still looks great. Some of that's early, early on. So just the opening scenes, you're in the, in the kind of haunted house and there's the, the, the ghost thing going around through the walls and, and things. And I thought, wow, this looks really good later in the movie. It's not so, but, but most of the time it's like, God, this, this holds up pretty well. I thought it was interesting. I think it's interesting to see directors uh, reuse things later in films and this kind of death character or whatever you want to say is very much like the, what were they called in Lord of the Rings? The wraiths. Yeah. The ring wraiths. The really similar, you know, design. Yeah, but I mean, they all the the ring race that all looks like the Grim Reaper to me. It's a yeah, big menacing thing in a in a full head to toe cloak. Yeah, the way it floats around and all that. I, I think, yeah, know, it's, it's kind of similar. I don't know how those are described in the books if they're pretty much like that or or not. But figures on horseback. Yeah, yeah. Um. Something also that we didn't talk about. One of the other actors in this is is Jeffrey Combs, who plays this FBI That's agent. What talk about He's who playing. is after? Yeah, who is after Michael J. Fox? And he has this Hitler hairdo, and he's just this really weird. Now, I don't. Have you ever seen? Um, have you seen Reanimator before? You ever seen Reanimator? I feel like I have a long time ago, but I couldn't describe. Scenes. It's it's a um, it's what he's most known for. I mean, he's been in a lot of a lot of stuff, but it's a uh, it's a it's based on a, on Lovecraft. I don't know how much it you know how true it is to um, his stories, but um, Jeffrey Combs plays this Dr. Herbert West, who's, who's basically a Dr. Frankenstein kind of, it's, it's one that we could do on the show. It's really gross. You know, it's, it's super gory, but again, in kind of a, you know, it's not super sadistic, but it's, we ought to watch it sometime. Cause it's a, it's a weird movie, but 
but inter- it's it's kind of horror comedy ish. But but anyway, uh, yeah, I re- did you did you like him in this role? I did because I just was like, I found the character frustrating because he he was so single mindedly had it in for the Michael J. Fox character. Oh, this is another thing I want to talk about, but it overlaps. And he was so quirky. At first, I thought, is this like a ghost possessing a guy? Because he has so many ticks. He like keeps won't look the woman in the eye. And when she raises her voice at him, he freaks out. Like freaks out like, "Ah," you know, and you're just like, what is happening? The one. The one laugh out loud laugh I had was at one point he rips open his shirt and he's like, I'm wearing an iron vest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so absurd that I thought, okay. Right. I kept thinking he's so weird. I kept thinking, would this guy have been able to get a job as an FBI agent and keep it? And I, I was like you, I kept thinking, and it doesn't, it doesn't go in this direction, but I kept thinking it's going to turn out that he's not really an FBI agent. He's a demon or he's faking or whatever. It's um, over the top. I mean, it's yeah. over the top and it's entertaining to watch, but in terms of it fitting into the story and other people being like, now he's a really important FBI agent. They're all sort of deferring to him. Like, you wouldn't defer to a person who behaves like this. He's a lunatic. Yeah. I mean, he's, and, and there's almost like a lost count of how many like little ticks he has. It's like, you know, sweating up her lip and twitching and eyes looking around and, and, and sort of going down his, he's kind of gold bloom sometimes where he starts losing his train of thought. And they're like, um, uh, Mr. Yeah. This is insane. This is a crazy performance. I did enjoy it. But one thing he does, and he's not the only one, is so that they kind of, there's a body count that's starting to build in this small town. And people, mostly because of this FBI agent sort of putting the idea in their head, the cops and people start to think that it is actually Michael J. Fox's character that is somehow doing it. They're dying in this supernatural way. So it's there's nobody ever. Well, actually, that's not true. The FBI agent sort of posits a theory on how he's doing it, but they're basically having heart attacks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like how, you think. How do you think I'm going around and making perfectly healthy people have heart attacks, guys? Well, and the FBI agent's theory is that he's doing it with his mind. <laughs> you know, so it's still not plausible. You know, like I'm wearing <laughs> There's a scene where they're in um, they're in a museum in the Egyptian wing of a museum, and they have some great fun in there when things go haywire. But he's in there for some reason, and the, there's a couple of cops that sort of spot him, and they pull their guns in the in the middle of this crowded museum, and they're like freeze. One thinks what happens to another. Michael J. Fox can see spooks, right? They can't see. And there's some spooky stuff going down. And he sort of starts running from the spooky stuff. And they open fire on him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a weapon. He's just, you know, he just sort of turns. 
like he's running away and they just start. And this is a, imagine like a gala at a museum is full of people. So they go chasing him from room to room. More cops show up and they just start opening fire inside this crowded building on somebody who has no weapon and has not shot at them or threatened them in any way on of some unspoken, undefined suspicion that he's involved somehow. They chase him out in the street and he gets in the car and is driving away and they all just start firing at the car. And I thought, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> that seems... A scene or something where this guy was declared public enemy number one. Is this supposed to be funny? Because very much in this day and age, cops recklessly shooting is not funny. You know what I mean? And he's Michael J. Fox is is basically friends with the sheriff. Right. The sheriff's a little suspicious of him, but, you know, doesn't dislike him, you know town too well i mean i guess is it seattle it there's a lot of stuff that's pacific northwest somewhere yeah i would say seattle seattle or portland you know those there's these kind of glamorous landscape shots Mm -hmm. but a lot of the interior stuff and the relationship stuff with the sheriff like you don't get the sense that he the sheriff is you know the chief of police and a big force it's like murder she wrote it's like a small town you get the sense that he's the sheriff and there's five deputies and that's the entire force. That's the feel of it when you're inside. And then when you're outside, like he's working on his house and there's this great Vista of, I don't know the Pacific Northwest real well, but it feels like Seattle to me. This is interesting. So this shows like no research on our part. Um, This was entirely shot in New Zealand. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was Seattle. Um, Turns out it's so. new. Yeah. Flick was shot entirely in New Zealand, primarily around Wellington and the Canterbury town of Littleton. But the people, so. in, yes, but the people in it are not New Zealanders. The no, no. New Zealand for small town USA. Yeah. Like, I don't remember one New Zealand accent in it. And they must know these are all American actors, but they flew everyone down there for it. Yeah. Yeah. They said that was the deal that. uh, uh, Okay. That was the deal that Jackson uh, wanted to do. He wanted to shoot the whole thing in New Zealand. So, but you got to come to me. Yeah. That's, that's, that's impressive because I, could have sworn this was seattle <laughs> i've never been to seattle so but what seattle on film looks like uh, well i mean so. landmarks of seattle there's the space needle and things like right that. when you're shooting a seattle movie those things just like when you're shooting a new york movie there's the oh they go by the brooklyn bridge oh and there's the mm-hmm. shot of downtown manhattan from the brooklyn side i mean they're just but it's definitely that Pacific Northwest feel where it's just kind of rainy all the time, you know, and overcast. Yeah. New Zealand, I guess must can have weather like that too. Or maybe they were trying to make it look like, yeah, I don't know. That's what they said. It was that it was, uh, I mean, this is just Wikipedia, but it's saying that um, the uh, Zemeckis and universal agreed on the condition that Jackson 
made New Zealand look similar to the Midwestern United States, which right. like I say, I wouldn't even think of this as the Midwest. It's Pacific Northwest. I feel, I feel like the interiors would be plausible and the small town sheriff and this and the and some of the interiors. There's one, they're at a restaurant and it's like this weird medieval themed restaurant. And I was like, what? Is this? I a- thought it was like uh, medieval times. Do you know medieval times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I, medieval times is being like, I've never been there. I think of it being as like around an area where there's horses and they jack. Yeah, right? that's how it's set up. Yeah, indoor. This is an indoor dining experience where the waiters all are dressed like Maid Marian, and there are these huge columns and and that was another thing. I wondered how much of this was was all of this sets. Or were these real locations or what? Yeah, it's like, hey, I guess we I want to talk about your dead husband. Let's go. I know quite a little medieval themed place. It's great. They got great linguine. <laughs> like, what you, and that's a there. That's a thing that I was thinking. This is a little, you know, maybe I'm I'm thinking too much about this uh uh and not just going with suspension of disbelief, but um Michael J. Fox meeting with her, you know, he, he goes and, and, you know, he takes her out to dinner or they meet for dinner and, you know, he's, this is the only time that we don't see him sort of kind of sloppily dressed, you know, he's wearing a a tie and everything. So is he thinking, Hey, you know, maybe I can get together with this lady whose husband just died, (laughs) or is it just like, uh, I'm going to dinner with an attractive woman. I want to look nice. You know what I mean? I, I kind of wondered what his thinking was and see that on screen. Um, I missed it. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Again, it's, it's the movie logic of people fall in love in a, in a day or a half an hour, you know, them a meet cute or something. You give them a, there's a point at which it's love at first sight. Right. Mm-hmm. And they bump into each other at a laundromat or the coffee shop or, Oh, Hey, you know, you forgot your, uh, your cell phone and the one, Oh, thanks. You know, and there's this, even if it's just a chance, whatever, where you get to see chemistry, mm-hmm. all we get is he goes to their house, his ghosts have stopped ghosting. So it embarrasses him. And, you know, the husband yells at him and he leaves. So we see that he meets the wife, mm-hmm. but then the next thing, you know, there's a, there's a funeral or something and he spots her driving by in the front seat of the hearse or something grieving. And the dead husband ghost runs up and he's like, you got to help me. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. God, <laughs> funny moments in the movie. It's, it's really like the next morning. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a head scratcher, but, but I do recommend that people take a look at this. Um, I think. Uh, I think by the end of it, I. I really. Um, I really enjoyed the scary parts of it. I thought it was really effective. I'm kind of glad we we didn't spoil it here. There's some fun surprises. It's not a night Shyamalan twist, but it's. It's not what I expected. And, uh, and I thought it really paid off. And at the end I had that thought of like, Oh, that, that actually, that pulled itself out of the fire. I, I, because in the beginning I was like, I don't know, uh, this is not doing it for me, you know? So mm-hmm. that's the only caveat I would say is if you're going to sit down, 
know that it's trying way too hard in the beginning to be hilarious. And I don't think it does a good job of that, but it stops pushing so hard on those levers and it starts to focus on telling the story, bringing it to a scary conclusion. And I think it's, it becomes effective at that by the end and it's totally worth checking out. Yeah, I would agree. And, and another thing that we didn't uh, mention at all is you have a uh, a Danny Elfman score in this. So about and every Danny Elfman score sounds roughly the same, but I love I, I love his scores. Uh, about three notes into the movie, I was like, oh, this must be Danny Elfman. And then I saw in the credits, you know, Danny Elfman. But uh, I like I like that big sound that that he, he had. So yeah, it's. Um, Again, like I say, I'm really glad that I revisited this because I definitely, you know, my impression of this movie has changed. And, you know, you have, this is another one like uh, Death Becomes Her that we talked about um, last time that no one involved with this film is anybody going to, this is going to be the first movie they think of them for, you know, Michael J. Fox, there's many other things you think of, uh, Peter Jackson and D Wallace and, and some of these other people involved. But I think people who, you know, if you like Michael J. Fox, you like Peter Jackson, you like stuff that Robert Zemeckis has been involved in, but maybe you haven't seen this one. It's definitely worth checking out. It's, it's, it's a 7.1 on IMDb with, you know, a lot of, a lot of reviews. So yeah, I think I'd put it like a seven and a half for me, something like that. Yeah. I think it, and it would have been higher, but for the stumbles in the beginning, like mm-hmm. you wade through the first part of it a little bit, you know, I don't like somebody trying to shove a joke down my throat. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, either make it funny or don't try to make it funny, you know? Yeah so hard yeah agreed you know yeah i mean i that was a good one i'm glad we checked that one out me too so uh next time um so we're closing in on our uh 100th episode i think this is what we're recording right now is 97 or 98 we're right in there i'm gonna look really quickly um to see where we are at okay, I could where we are so 97 so we got two more before we gotta do our yep one. so this is 97 so we had talked previously about cabin in the woods we did talk about that would you want to do cabin in the woods next or is there anything else that you're that you have a burning desire to see that's another that'd be kind of three horror comedies in a row i don't know if there's uh you know, something else that you were thinking about. I, it's not that I don't want to do it per se. There's a part of me that kind of wants to watch. We have been talking about some really terrible looking ones mm-hmm. for um, our hundredth episode, and we're having the darndest time finding some of them, um, which is really frustrating. I'm like, you know. I'm sure once upon a time, people would have loved the idea of people wanting to watch these movies. And now people are trying to, and they can't. Yeah. Um, there's a part of me that wants to kind of watch some of like 
one of the ones we're not going to be able to do for, I don't know. I don't know. When you say cabin in the woods, there's a part of me that just, I do like the movie. It's a good movie. Um, well, maybe we can think about some of those uh, dumb looking ones that I'll commit to it. Maybe. Okay. I don't have a suggestion yeah. of my own. Mind. It's always going to be, but yeah, maybe we could do one of those uh, kind of bad looking ones. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe just change my palette wants something that's not another horror movie right now. Maybe there's another. I think we've talked about it before. Um, one that I have never seen. There was something that I thought about the other day that I was like, and now I can't, I, I, I need to make more notes when these things pop into my head. And Because um, <clears throat> there was one that, I want- shoot, I can't can't think of what it is now but um i brought it up a time or two uh is it alien three is alien three the one that that david fincher did i thought alien three was the french guys i don't know but i've not i've never seen alien three that's the one where everybody's head is shaved because they have lice or whatever they're like on a prison planet yeah yeah have you ever seen that one i have yeah it's very weird I've never seen it. Uh, so that's one I'd like to do sometime. We could, yeah, we could do that. The, I think the thing that was dancing in the back of my mind is a little more complicated because it's just brand new, fresh out. But it's that one that I think is called something like everything. Yeah. Uh, what I 100% it? want to see that, but I, it's in theaters right now. Mm-hmm. That looks amazing. It's called everything all at once or what is it? It's everything everywhere all at once. I think is the title. I heard somebody on the radio this morning, just raving about it. Like the guardian or, or one of, one of the UK sites or newspapers said it's the first masterpiece of 2022. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I I was thinking about that before we, uh, we went online. Um, I don't know if it's playing here. I don't think. So let's not commit to anything right now. Yeah. I'm excited enough about that, that I might figure out a way to get to a theater. Check that. Another one. Have you seen the trailer for the Northmen or maybe it's just called Northmen poster for it. And I was like, is that Nicole Kidman? Yeah. It's the guy who directed the witch and, um, the lighthouse and it's a uh it's a viking thing which we didn't do an episode of the did we no we we did the lighthouse but we we talked about the witch a good bit but we've not actually done it do it on air i don't really want to watch that movie again it was hard to watch i just watched it a couple of months ago like for the second time but yeah but you watch the trailer for the northman and i don't vikings i've never really been all that excited but it looks insane and i was reading that the the director i'm kind of paraphrasing here is more or less like this is my sellout studio movie but it's still people are like it's basically a cross between like a big budget studio movie and an art house movie it looks crazy in a good way you can't see you can't have seen the movies the other movies that guy has made and say he can't make a movie I mean, oh yeah whatever you feel about it they look amazing isn't mm-hmm. it and the witch 
the witch is really intense at the end of the witch. I was just kind of like, wow. I mean, it is, it is really, it feels like an art house movie more than it feels like. Yeah. Um, but I, got, I guess this is more or less, sorry, I keep talking over you. Sorry. I guess this is more or less just Vikings like going around chopping each other up and stuff, you know, with some, some weird stuff in it, but it, yeah. Watch the trailer. Cause it looks, it looks really good. Cool. I will check. Uh, it. Um, another, this doesn't have anything to do with any of those things, but just entertainment news that I saw that was pretty, I was pretty excited about just found this out yesterday. Did you know that, uh, Amazon has done a new um, uh, Kids in the Hall series. No, yeah, with the original guys, it's it hits uh, Prime next month. No kidding. Yeah, there's a trailer for that too. That's a lot of talent, and it's one of those things where it's like you know, I don't know if you can go home again, but it looks it looks pretty pretty great though because that was that was a great group i mean i feel a little bit like if monty python got back together that's a longer that's more water under the bridge they did get back together um i think that i always felt that i wanted them to like recreate lightning in a bottle Mm -hmm. they'd all gone on to different parts you know the world had moved on since Mm -hmm the late seventies or whenever they were doing that. Um, Kids in the hall was late eighties, nineties. Yeah. Early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. I mean, the world has moved on in different ways too, but the type of stuff they were skewering, I feel like might that type of comedy might still resonate. And along the same lines, I enjoyed the, uh, they didn't call it Mr. Show, but the Mr. Sh- you know, whatever it was, Bob and, and David. I, did you watch that on Netflix? Uh, no, it's, they- it's worth watching. It's, uh, you know, comedy again. Yeah, it's it's basically them doing Mr. Show no, again. But they're but this is recent. Yeah, like uh, two or three years ago. Weird. How would yeah. that make you? Yeah, it's only. I think it's like three or four episodes. So, I mean, you can watch the whole thing in an evening. Um, but it's, I mean, it's worth, uh, if you like Mr. Show, I think you would enjoy it. I do like Mr. Show. I'm excited because season two of the Black Lady Sketch Show has just come out and I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. Oh. I know one of the writers on that show and I think it's really funny. That's Oh, amazing. that's cool. HBO show season one, I thought was, <laughs> was really funny and I'm excited for season two. I've not seen that. I need to, I like, I like sketch comedy in general. Have you ever seen, um, I think it's called uh, Baroness Von Sketch. Have you ever seen that? It's essentially, and I don't want this to sound denigrating in any way, but it's basically a female kids in the hall. Mm-hmm. It's a female uh, Canadian uh, sketch show. It's really good. What is it? Um, it was uh, made for um, independent film channel, I think. But you can, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. Huh. Okay. It's good. It's, I mean, it's very, it's just like, this is kids in the hall, except with, 
with women. It's I think you'd enjoy it. It's it's funny. It's a lot, a lot of good stuff to watch. Maybe yeah. I'll take a whiff of the old wacky tobacco and I'll check out. Some yeah. Stuff. Oh, and here's a, a one more thing that uh, and this is one that we we could do at some point as well. Um, I was just telling my brother in law about this uh, on. So I have uh, the Shutter app, which Shutter is it's a horror streaming thing. And they do a lot of, they make a lot of original stuff too. And it's, it's pretty cool because it's um, kind of their shtick a little bit is it's like, okay, these are things instead of just Netflix, where it's just like, we're going to throw out a million things. They just add like three or four new things a week, basically. Sometimes they'll add two things. Sometimes it'll be 10. But one thing that they have put on there is uh, two movies that, um, Andy Warhol produced in like the early seventies. Uh, one is called flesh for Frankenstein. And the other is called uh, blood for Dracula. I think is the title. Udo Kier is in both of them. I don't know if you know Udo Kier or not, but the flesh for Frankenstein is 3d. So it's old school blue and red 3d. And they have the 3d version on shutter. And so I was telling my brother-in-law about it. And I was like, that's something we should watch sometime. And he said, yeah, but you know, you have to have the 3d glasses. And I said, well, I'm sure, you know, you can get those. So we went on Amazon and you could buy like 50 pairs of uh, the paper glasses for like 10 bucks. So he just ordered them. And uh, so we're going to watch. And that, that I think is something that would really pair well with the, the wacky tobacco. But anyway, probably in the next week or two, I think we're going to watch it. But if it, if it isn't just a total stinker, that's one maybe we could watch it. Some, you just have to have the 3D glasses. But sure. Yeah, uh, we, you could mail me a pair. In my understanding, it's the old school 3D glasses where it's, you know, or 3D where it's stuff poking out of the screen, you know, and, right. and all that. So, uh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> Makes me think of the SCTV skit, 3D House of Pancakes. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where they're just taking the plate. John Candy takes the plate of pancakes and just you know goes back and forth on the screen good stuff good all right stuff. Well, let's call it let's call it okay and we will offline decide what we're going to do and you gentle listeners and viewers will have to be surprised yes what we serve up next week uh chris and chris talk movies at gmail.com that is our handle we are on the socials we are on the socials so like us and subscribe us and give us a comment and a thumbs up and a, all of the good social stuff. And, exactly. Uh, and we'll uh, do something fun. We're, we're trying to find a real humdinger for our hundredth episode where hopefully we we're, we're going to watch something together and have a big bumper crop episode where we drink too much and uh, not, and I wouldn't M- say MST three K it because those guys write jokes, um, but we're going to do our best. We'll just be recording off the cuff. It's new for us. And we're going to try and find something that neither of us have seen. Exactly. Well, maybe that sounds like a cup of tea and maybe it doesn't, but I think it'll be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Anything else to add? I think that's all. All right. Then on that note, we will talk to you next week.
Bye.